Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Kylie Camps, and welcome to the podcast. This space is dedicated entirely to making a difference in the lives of women. I believe we all have a right and a responsibility to truly live our best lives. It all begins with curiosity, changing our thinking, and cultivating more self-love. Through thoughtful conversations and shared experiences, I really hope that you can take something away from this podcast. I'm a business owner, a speaker, a sleep consultant, and mum of twin boys. I've also recently completed some training in the cognitive behavioral therapy space, and I'm super, super passionate about the ability that we all have to really improve our days. And ultimately, when we take ownership of improving our days, we're really improving our whole life. So let's get stuck into today's episode. Today's episode is a conversation with Eliza surrounding how food impacts our mood. Now, I connected with Eliza through Nutra Organics. As you guys know, I'm a huge fan of Nutra Organics, their products and everything they stand for, but they also have the most incredible stuff. And so Eliza and I are going to be chatting today about how food directly and indirectly impacts our mood and our overall quality of life. But before we dive into this conversation, Eliza, can you tell our listeners a little bit more about who you are and what you do? Absolutely. Um, well, at the moment, you know, I'm formally working with Nutri Organics um, as a product developer and um, in their research department, but I'm also by trade a naturopath. Um, I started my career with studying nutrition and dietetics um, and then changed over to naturopathy um, as I had a bit of a passion for, you know, getting in touch with our roots of traditional knowledge and how that interacts with science. And, um, yeah, so I studied naturopathy and then I was really passionate about food and um, have since started, you know, working in product development. And I'm actually at the moment have now moved on again to study psychology and um, going back into practice. So it's a lot of exciting things happening at the moment. But, yeah, my passion is definitely... Um, driven by food and how it impacts the body, um, but particularly now, even more so the mind. Mm, I was just going to say there's such a big through line there, isn't there, from research and development in products, which I think would be super fascinating, but also through to psychology and mm. the food-mind connection. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. I mean, when I studied naturopathy, I was so passionate about, you know, physical health Um and I really <clears throat> was really interested in just optimizing, you know, how we can function and, you know, get the best out of our bodies from a physical perspective. But, you know, over time and as I guess matured as well um, as a person, I started to realize that there was a bit of the puzzle missing. And I was like, you know, physical body is one thing and we've got our physical health, um, but our mental health is a whole nother aspect. And they just both of them together um, have to be considered when we're looking to, you know, support our overall well-being. So, um, yeah, I decided to start studying psychology so that I could better understand that mental aspect and how not only our emotions but also the way that we think impacts, um, yeah, our health in every way. Mm, I've been having a lot of conversations just personally with girlfriends surrounding our connection or our relationship or whatever word you want to use with food. And I think Mm -hmm. for women, you know, there's so much, and I'm sure it's for men as well, but from the conversations I've been having with women in my life, there seems to be so much morality around food Mm -hmm. in terms of food is good, food is bad. If I Mm. eat X, I'm good. If I eat Y, I'm bad. And there's so much tied up 
in Mm -hmm. food and there's a woman who I really enjoy her work her name's Janine Roth and she's written a book it's years and years old I remember reading Mm. it over a decade ago called Women, Food and God and Mm. she talks about how you know for us as women we often kind of make food almost a religion. Oh totally I think there's not a single woman you could talk to um, that wouldn't think about food, um, you know, and what in those terms. Um, I think food, it can become, you know, a bit, um, yeah, a bit overwhelming sometimes. And I think it also um, comes back to as well, like we grow up, we go to school, we get all this education, but no one actually teaches us, you know, how to eat. And so it kind of becomes, you get thrown out into the big wide world and it becomes a bit of um, a source of anxiety to start with. But then you start to learn a little bit more information and we've got this big information overload and people like, okay, so food actually really implicates how I feel and it really implicates how I look. And so, you know, I think women becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah, it becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. And women are concerned about, you know, um, how they feel and how they present to the world. So, um, you know, if food's something that we're, you know, obviously consuming and it's something we um, participate in food culture every single day, um, multiple times a day, yeah, it, it can become, yeah, like you say, a kind of a religion and um, people are invested in that because they're invested in their health and well-being. Yes, absolutely. And I think that it's so true what you said about highlighting the importance of understanding the difference between physical and mental health when it comes to our food because there is so much information out there on how to lose weight or how to, I guess, you know, perform better with your body but Mm -hmm. you might not necessarily be feeling great you might fit into that pair of size you know that pair of jeans that you've always wanted to fit into Mm -hmm. but it might be a real mental battle Mm -hmm. and taking away from things in your life that are actually truly important and so that's why I'm excited to have this chat with you about just drawing attention to the way that the food we consume impacts our mood yeah totally I mean um 100% understand what you're saying um sometimes yeah food uh or you know fitting into jeans and you know the way we present to the world can um come at the expense of joy and feeling happy and I mean part of that is definitely an emotional thing but I mean a big, huge part of that as well is what we're actually putting into our body and how we're fueling ourselves. There's actually a lot of really interesting research, um, Australian research that's come out of the Centre for Food and Mood down in Melbourne um, that is looking at the way that um, men, uh, sorry, nutritional deficiencies are actually um, one of the leading precursors to developing mental illness. So the connection just can't be discounted anymore. Everything that we put into our body is going to have a positive or negative effect on how we feel. And I mean, that's not to say that we should get too tied up in every single meal that we're eating, but it's just important to realize that as a whole, um, we're not only eating to nourish our bodies and get energy, but we're eating to nourish our brains and to um, nourish ourselves and the way that we feel. So I guess, you know, food um, doesn't just supply like essential vitamins minerals and um, macronutrients that um, form the structural backbone of our brains um, which you know govern how we feel but they are also essential for um, building the chemical messengers that tell our brains yes we're feeling happy today or or we're actually feeling a bit overstimulated or we're feeling you know a bit down in the dumps Um, the those chemical messengers rely on um, everything that we eat um, to actually function. So um, it's super important that we're fueling our bodies correctly, but also um, there's other subtle ways that the way that we eat can affect our mood. So like even if we um, are not eating quite enough, having blood sugar imbalances can, you know, um, help or not help, sorry, can kind of, 
exacerbate and my feelings of anxiety or feeling um, a bit dishevelled or, or all over the place can stop us from being able to think quite clearly. Um, and that brain fog is a real thing. I know a lot of women yeah. talk about feeling just foggy and like they can't make decisions, they can't think clearly. Totally. And it's surprising because when when people say the word brain fog, I think people often think that when some, you know, brain fog is something that's like you're feeling a bit down in the dumps, but brain fog is actually like commonly caused by just like an over congestion of um, what, what I'm going to refer to as, I guess, noise in the brain. We've just got so much going on and so much, um, so much stimulation in our lives and so many things to think about that that actually causes brain fog. It's actually not so, it can also be a symptom of, you know, feeling down in the dumps, but um, commonly it's actually just caused by overwhelm. Overwhelm, yeah. Um, and that's a really common problem, I guess, in 21st century. Now you mentioned the connection there between kind of low moods and the things that we eat. I know I've definitely experienced that depletion of not having enough of the good stuff in me and it's definitely created a low mood. When it comes to foods that you would sort of classify as depleters or things that we're consuming maybe regularly that take away from our quality of life, what sort of Mm -hmm. things come to mind for you? Yeah, there's quite a few, I guess. Um, and I guess it's important also to put this in the context of, like, I guess, overconsumption. When we're overconsuming these things, they can dep- make us feel a little bit depleted or deplete those vital um, vitamins and minerals that we need for our nervous system to you know, function at its best. Um, the first one that comes to mind is alcohol. Um I think we have we have quite a strong women everywhere culture. Are tuning out now. They're like, yeah, <laughs> not I my glass my of wine. wine. <laughs> yeah, don't want to hear it. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, look, the glass of red once a night isn't going to hurt, is it? But it's all about moderation. But um, yeah, alcohol, like, and particularly like excessive alcohol consumption, which is a problem here in Australia. Like, we've got a pretty strong drinking culture. Um, can, you know, uh, deplete us quite significantly because it not only does it make us obviously we, which um, a lot of these depleting kind of foods have a tendency to do, um, and, you know, by doing that we're actually losing valuable vitamins um, sorry, and minerals such as, you know, our B vitamins, which we need um, to produce all of our happy chemicals in our brains, um, also magnesium, which has like a calming and... Um, helps with our pain perception and then also calcium which is absolutely essential for um, the way that our um, neurotransmitters connect to each other so um, having drinking excessive amount of alcohol depleting all of these valuable um, nutrients over time will have a cumulative effect so and particularly if they're not being restored in the diet um, yeah can can leave us feeling quite flat um, as well. Uh, excessive caffeine consumption. And again, every tired mum listening is probably like, oh, oh we've God. lost them. We lost them at Lose the Wine. <laughs> <laughs> not, not my morning coffee. <laughs> I'm not, I swear, the I'm not. Pride out of our cold hands. Yeah. yeah, not coming for all the treats, I promise. Um, but again, excessive caffeine consumption. So if you're, you know, waking up in the morning and being like, I need my caffeine but you know I need my long black before anything else and then again at 9am I'm going to have another one and then at 3pm I'm going to have another one to get me over the slump that's where it becomes a bit excessive Um, but again uh, has that same diuretic effect or makes us um, you know go to the loo and we're losing those um, valuable vitamins and minerals. But the other thing with caffeine as well, I guess, from a naturopathic perspective is because it's also a stimulant and it um, kind of increases circulation to the brain, which is, which is a good thing. Um, But it also increases the amount of what we call excitatory neurotransmitters or chemicals that make us feel heightened um, and also release it helps starts to release those stress causing hormones um, from the adrenals so from a naturopathic perspective 
over time, if we're overstimulating ourselves, um, the body can't keep up unless we're absolutely, you know, superhuman and are replacing every single vitamin and mineral um, as as we're losing it. Um, or we just have some crazy strong constitution. Um, but yeah, caffeine, over consumption of caffeine is definitely one of those things that over time um, depletes us not only um, from the vitamin and mineral perspective, but also um, can overwork um, those systems that um, we need to stay, you know, level and balanced and focused. Mm, and is that because with caffeine, sorry, Eliza, I cut you off mm. there, but I was just going mm, to say, right. is that because with caffeine, we're kind of turning on that stress response system, that fight or flight, we're kind of igniting that. And so we're wearing it out over time. Is that what's happening? Yeah, absolutely. So um, that's a good way of describing it. We're, um, it's not to say that we're going into a state of panic, um, which the flight of fight or flight response um, is often related to, but we're definitely going into a heightened state and there are still those um, hormones that are getting released from our adrenals um, and other hormonal organs to help keep us stable um, and to help bring us back down. So over time, the more and more we're stimulating ourselves and the more and harder those um, particular glands and organs have to work, um, yeah, it, they do get burnt out and we can get to that stage, unfortunately, which is a comment which is more a huge problem at the moment. We're seeing it more and more. Makes sense. And you also mentioned the diuretic effect. And I just wanted to mm. circle back to that because mm. there are obviously foods that are kind of known for having that effect as well, I guess. Like, I mean, and I could be wrong, this could be completely mm-hmm. urban legend, but, <laughs> you know, celery or watermelon, yeah. those types of foods kind of are a bit of a natural diuretic or even just mm-hmm. drinking, obviously, a lot of water. Does yeah. the same thing happen then if we're using kind of healthier diuretics? Are um, we still flushing things out or is it different? It's a little bit different only in that so foods like celery and watermelon, they also contain um, natural amounts, natural um, electrolytes. So even though we're eating these foods that, yes, um, are quite rich in water, they also contain electrolytes that help to um, help hydrate. to maintain that balance and hydrate us. Yeah, exactly. So, um, in the case of celery, for instance, it's actually quite salty. I don't know, like if um, yeah, you've ever found that, but often recipes, like you know, for instance, chicken soup or whatever, will use celery, and it adds that salty element to mm. to the stock, and it's full of flavor, and that's why celery's it's actually um, got those, yeah, those electrolyte compounds that actually help to maintain hydration. So, um, yeah, not was, not quite the same. Yeah, I was just interested because when you were talking about that kind of excessive going to the bathroom, that's my mm. whole life, Eliza. <laughs> I forever, and I'm sure having twins plays into this, but it's a bit of yeah. a joke. Like now, like when my girlfriends and I go for a walk, it's like, oh, Kylie will need to stop. <laughs> to use the bathroom because I always need to work. and I think oh it's because gosh. I drink so much water but when you were talking totally. about you know like oh you're flushing things out I went yeah. oh my gosh maybe I'm weighing too much yeah well you know what it's not an uncommon problem I've actually experienced that myself um particularly when I was younger and I was doing a lot of exercise so I used to smash the water all day every day like I've, I'm only a small person I'm only 158 centimetres, um, which is five foot two. <laughs> um, but, you know, I used to drink like three litres just by 12 p.m. Like, yeah. and that, so that is flushing. Yeah, that is flushing your minerals out. And that's only because water on its own doesn't contain um, a lot of electrolytes. So it's really important that, you know, if you're going to drink a lot of water you just add maybe like a pinch of salt or add some you know a squeeze of lemon with a pinch of salt or even juicing you know some watermelon and adding those um electrolytes back in will help you retain the water a bit more but I I 100% know what you're talking about I've been there (laughs) that's so interesting with the electrolytes because I just have started taking 
a new magnesium supplement. I'm always taking magnesium. I'm a mm-hmm. big proponent. And of course, I should make it very clear. Who am I? To, I'm not giving advice. I'm not saying that anyone listening needs to go and get magnesium. Just this is what I notice with my own mood is that taking mm. magnesium really impacts me. And I've just started taking a magnesium supplement that has electrolytes in it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So that's interesting, electrolytes. Yeah, totally. And magnesium, oh, my gosh, I can't. I, I'm with you. Like, oh, I would be a nightmare. I am yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm 100% with you. And you know what? It's the most commonly prescribed supplement um, because magnesium in and of itself actually is an electrolyte for one thing, but it's also involved in over 300 enzymatic reactions in the body. So what that means is it's involved in over like 300 different chemical processes that happen in all different kinds of organ systems. So um, within the nervous system and our mood in particular, magnesium is super important for helping us to kind of stay calm um, and it helps to kind of turn off those over-excitatory um, chemical messages. Um, and it also um, is really good for helping with pain perception and can help to support muscle relaxation. So if you're over, if you're exercising or even just before bed when you're wanting to chill out, um, having some magnesium is definitely a good thing and isn't going to do, um, do any harm. Obviously, if you're on any medications and stuff, always speak to your practitioner. But um, magnesium is a supplement that I firmly believe um, 99.999% of the Australian population could benefit from. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I will go a step further and say, if you are female and you have a monthly cycle, also mm-hmm. really important as well to at least go and explore that with your own healthcare providers and just see if 100%. it's something that you do want to add in. Now, speaking of things that we can add in, when it comes to thinking clearly, what are some foods that we should be considering having daily to help us with our thinking and just general better cognition? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to go right ahead and say one that I think people would never guess. Are um, you going to say sardines? And, no, <laughs> not going to say sardines and anchovies. about sardines and anchovies lately. Do you know what? I actually think people are more aware of it anchovies and sardines benefits for their brain than this what I'm going to talk about now (laughs) so number one for me personally is actually protein Um, a lot of women in particular don't realize how important eating enough protein is not just for their physical health but for their mental health Um, I think gone other days or hopefully they should be gone other days of women being like I don't want to eat protein it's going to make me bulk up because it's not about that protein is just absolutely essential for so many other um other uh functions within the block yeah within the body so it's not just a building block for muscle tissue it's a building block for all of our neurotransmitters and they're the chemical messages that tell um tell our brain not only how we're thinking how we're feeling but also communicate to the rest of the body um on how to move through the world so we absolutely have to be eating enough protein um and so you know protein comes in many forms obviously like vegans and vegetarians um there's proteins in legumes and grains and then you know for our meat eaters out there having a good source of protein um you know i hopefully at at least two meals a day is super important. Um, You know, protein comes in many different forms. Um, Eggs are also a really good source of protein. They also contain choline, which is um, a cofactor or a nutrient needed um, to support um, the chemical messages in our brain. Again, um, you know, red meat as well contains iron and zinc as well as protein. Um, both of those minerals are highly abundant in the nervous system and are absolutely necessary um, to help us think clearly. Um, what else? I was um, just going to say one of the ways that I get a little bit of extra protein in because as someone who, you know, I've got obviously, not obviously for some people that don't know, I'm a mm. mom of twin boys. And mm. so sometimes five, you know, five nights in a row, I'm making a meal for three of us and then they go to their okay. dad. So it's just me. And I mm-hmm. will literally have avocado 
avocado on rice thins and call that a meal. There are lots of times when I don't get enough protein, but one of the ways that I sneak it in is with one of the Nutra products, which this is not a plug. I, mean, <laughs> I love Nutra. Everyone knows I love mm-hmm. Nutra. But the col- I would say it even if you didn't work for them, the collagen build Mm-hmm. Having that and adding it to a cup of tea, adding it to a smoothie, adding it to a soup, I mm-hmm. just know then I'm getting a little bit more protein. For sure. Oh, totally. I mean, that's a really good versatile option because it, yeah, it doesn't really taste like anything and you can add it into whatever, like you can add it into a cup of tea. Um, and so, yeah, like you said, it's it's an easy way to get um, protein into um, into those meals that you might otherwise feel like you're kind of missing out. Um, other things like, I mean, yeah, again, NutriPlug, um, but I'm actually really passionate about My discount about code, Kylie15. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really passionate about this product, but Thriving Protein is actually like one of my favorite products at Nutra. And um, not only because it's a good source of protein, kids love it, um, but it also contains a lot of vitamins and minerals. So you've got like all these B vitamins that are so essential um, to helping with energy, um, but also, yeah, building neurotransmitters. It's it's such a great product and um, definitely, you know, an easy way for, you know, people don't want to wake up first thing in the morning and eat a steak. Obviously not. So <laughs> if you want to have a, a lot of, of men that do that, but I don't know any women that do that. Oh, it's so weird. I, I'm... Look, I will eat a lot of things for breakfast. I'm actually not one of those people that's like, no, that's only cereals of breakfast food. But um, definitely would find it easier to have a smoothie with thriving protein than I would to, say, have a whole chicken breast at breakfast. Oh, totally. <laughs> and thriving powder, funnily enough, was like my gateway drug into the Nutra products. And mm-hmm. it was recommended to me because one of my little boys was in hospital with glandular fever mm-hmm. and really bad tonsillitis. And I was speaking to the doctor and I was saying, like, he doesn't eat anything. This is a kid that he just has no appetite for anything Mm -hmm. that is healthy. And Mm -hmm. the mum in the bed next door, her son was in the bed next door, kind of stuck her head around the corner and said, I don't want to be nosy, but (laughs) try thriving powder. And I kind of um, not dismissed it, but I said to her, like, he won't have it. He won't have any powders. Mm. Like we've tried mm. all of them and he won't. And she said, Oh, just give it a try. And then I ended up seeing one of those trial sachets at a health food store and I grabbed one and it was the only <laughs> protein powder that I could get the boys to consume. And wow. from about the age of three, we started calling their smoothies, their good behavior smoothies, because <laughs> it made such a difference to their behavior. Like my ex-husband would come home from work and be like, oh, they haven't had their smoothies today, have they? Or, oh, they clearly have. It was so obvious. Oh. So I can imagine like now, now that I'm saying it, like, of course, mm. when you zoomed out and you're looking at someone else take it, it's really obvious. Mm-hmm. But of course, for us as women, if we're not getting enough protein and that is a building block in not only our physical health but our cognition, mm. you know, it is important to get more protein into our day. Oh, absolutely. And I think, you know, I really feel for busy mums because it's just it can be really, really hard to trying to feed your kids and you've got all the other things on the go, trying to work, trying to do the house stuff or doing whatever you know, feeding yourself can sometimes become the last priority. Oh, so totally. So many mums, we just survive off fumes of our children's leftovers. Yeah. <laughs> the crust totally. and the half-eaten nuggets and the yeah. soggy vegetables. Like, oh, yeah, I'll just, I'll take that. That'll be fine. <laughs> totally. And it's just, I mean, yeah, it's, it's mums really need to just prioritise, yeah, eating good food because, I mean, so that you can show up for everyone else in your life. You've got to show up for yourself. So starting by just, um, you know, sneaking in things like make it easy on yourself, sneak in some collagen into your coffee or um, have a smoothie that's, you know, quick to whip together. But just um, prioritising and making sure, like, no, I'm definitely going to make sure that I'm eating well. Um, Honestly, it doesn't just have an impact on yourself. It has an impact on everyone. Mum's the centre of the family and I just, yeah. Absolutely. I always Full respect. 
particles <laughs> of glue that hold it all together. And that's yeah. why it is so important that we are not, you know, all jokes aside, not living off the fumes of leftover food. We actually yeah. do go, okay, you know what? I pack a lunch every day for my kids, but then I'm walking out the door with nothing. No, pack yeah. a lunch for your kids, but also pack a lunch for yourself. Make sure you've got some protein-rich snacks. Make mm-hmm. sure you're getting adequate um, nutrition in for our mm-hmm. mood. Now, yeah. what other things would you say are important for our cognition, for thinking? I would also say um, definitely getting um, enough sunshine. I know this isn't a food, but I just wanted to throw it in there because have it, we've, we've got this huge um, problem here in Australia with people just not um, getting enough vitamin D. So definitely 20 to 30 minutes, if possible, of safe sun exposure a day is really going to help to um, balance your mood. And it does that by supporting your circadian rhythm. So when we wake up, we get some safe sun exposure and we actually feel a bit charged. We actually feel like, okay, I'm awake, I'm ready to tackle the day. And then by the time night comes, our, um, you know, melatonin setting in, we're starting to feel sleepy and it gets us into a really good rhythm, which is balance and rhythm is super important for supporting our mood. Um, so that's definitely something I wanted to add in um, as a daily must have. Um, the other thing as well, um, dark green leafy vegetables and omega-3. So um, dark green leafy vegetables are things like um, Swiss chard, spinach, rocket, um, even broccoli could be considered a dark green leafy vegetable. Um, these veggies are just so rich in B vitamins, magnesium, iron, and in some cases even calcium. Um, and all of these nutrients are absolute must-haves for um, supporting neurotransmitters. So definitely a daily um, I know there's a lot of people out there doing the green smoothies and I'm all for it. Um, But even just adding, you know, a handful of baby spinach into into like a frittata that you're making um, or um, into a curry of an evening, like just getting those greens in wherever you possibly can um, is really going to have quite a big benefit um, to your mental health um, as well as your physical health, obviously. And um, the other thing I mentioned was omega-3s, and I guess this is where (laughs) the um, sardines and anchovies kind of come in um, because they're quite – they're really good sources of omega-3 fatties, um, fatty acids, and um, are super important for the structure. 
inflamed, you know, being inflamed mm. and um, mm. those sorts of things. And so I've kind of gone down a rabbit hole lately of looking at inflammatory foods and also anti-inflammatory foods. And so yeah. I was sat here nodding along going, yes, that's so interesting. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And things like endometriosis, which, you know, um, <clears throat> what is it? I think it's um, one in nine women experience that disorder. I mean, they're debilitating. So having anti-inflammatory foods and consuming them on a daily basis is just one way to help support, um, you know, and decrease inflammation within the body, which in turn is going to have a great effect on our mood. There are other things that you can do, such as, you know, including um, turmeric and ginger in in the diet. Um, Both of these um, spices are hugely anti-inflammatory for one thing, but they also promote um, good circulation, which is really important um, for our mood and um, getting enough blood flow to the brain and getting fresh oxygen to the brain. That's going to help us feel better. Um, And as well, they have that anti-inflammatory and antioxidant action, which definitely helps to support um, inflammation throughout the body. So, um, yeah, getting those omega-3s and just adding spices in where we can is an easy way, I think, to help um, sneak in a bit of like an anti-inflammatory action um, and help support, you know, not only our physical body, but yeah, definitely mental health. And so what are some foods that typically cause inflammation in the body? I know alcohol is one and we've touched Mm -hmm. on that, but I'm going to throw gluten out there as well and say gluten Mm -hmm. causes inflammation. I could be wrong. Yeah. I mean, uh, the thing with gluten is I guess not everyone has a gluten issue per se. Um, In Australia, unfortunately, what happened – around 30 years ago was they were looking to, um, and when I say they, I mean the food industry, was looking for ways to um, to make bread uh, development happen quicker and making that proofing process happen quicker. So they found that by adding more gluten into our breads um, that that was actually helping to make um, bread development happen a lot faster the flip side to that is that unfortunately what that's meant is a lot of people have found that um the gluten that's used in our flour just doesn't agree with us because it's that extra consumption um that our bodies aren't otherwise used to a lot of people always purport you know going i went to italy and i ate all the pasta and i ate all the bread and i was fine and then i came back to australia and then I wasn't quality. Yeah. So gluten, um, it's all about the quality. Um, so definitely people that have, you know, autoimmune diseases or have, um, you know, even reproductive issues. Uh, I, I personally feel gluten is a bit of a no, no, um, but there are, I'm not going to lie. There are some, <laughs> some very few, very robust people out there that could, you know, they could drink oil, um, you know, petrol and they'd be fine. So <laughs> good constitution. <laughs> yeah. Good constitution, you know, that ain't me. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. I'm the same. That's definitely not me, but, um, yeah, I, I feel my partner's one of those, which is quite interesting, but I'm, I'm a sensitive Sally and he's the robust one. But, um, yeah, definitely gluten is, is a big culprit for a lot of people. Um, one big culprit that I would um, say is that would, you know, damage even the most robust person even on the planet. the most iron stomach, yeah. Yeah, most iron stomachs is sugar, Um Sugar is is gotta go. Oh, we wish they everyone now like <laughs> yeah, yeah oh, no. sugar. Like, there was one person this. hanging on. <laughs> yeah, like, she's gone now. She's gone. gone down. Chocolate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness! I wish I wish the World Health Organization and all the big um, regulatory bodies would do a huge campaign against sugar as they did with you know fats in the fifties and sixties. Because honestly, sugar is a, is it just a absolute big big problem. Um, I would, it, in terms of food, it is the if I had to only pick one thing to eliminate from our food, it would be sugar, and that's because not only does it 
um, cause inflammation um, in general, in a general sense, um, and also um, result in blood sugar imbalances and things like that that directly contribute to our mood. Obviously, we all know how it feels to be hangry <laughs> when we're hungry. <laughs> um, but um, sugar directly affects um, our mental health from multiple aspects, from the um, blood sugar imbalance, but also by creating inflammation within our blood vessels, um, which means that our brains may not be getting as much um, oxygen and blood um, blood flow as they're supposed to be getting um, to function. Um, and honestly, it's, it's a big trigger for inflammation. And the one place in the body you don't want to get inflamed is your brain, um, particularly if we're talking about, you know, um, healthy aging and making sure that by the time we're in our 70s and 80s um, or even our hundreds now, it's looking like we're going to get there. Um, we want to be able to think. We want to be able to speak to our families and um, function as best we possibly can. So, um, yeah, sugar is is a big no-no for me um, in preserving our mental health but also our longevity. And so when you speak about sugar, Eliza, are we talking – all sugar, including sugar that's found naturally in apples and fruits and whatnot, or are you speaking specifically about processed sugar? Definitely the latter. So um, whole fruits um, are just, yeah, I, I'm also, sorry, probably not articulating this um, terribly well, but um, yeah, fruit is awesome. Um, because it's wrapped up in fiber, we've got lots of vitamins and minerals in there, so that slows um, the release of that sugar. So it's low GI, um, and which means it's not going to have a big spike on our blood sugar levels, which is actually the the part of metabolism that is the most problematic. Um, so definitely, fruit is not on the naughty list. Um, neither is. Um, you know, sugar that is naturally occurring in complex carbohydrates. So when I talk about complex carbohydrates, I mean veggies, um, whole grains, things like that are all um, all naturally contain small amounts of sugar because they are carbohydrates in nature. Um, but that's counterbalanced by, again, fibres. Um, the way that they're minerals. packaged. Yeah, the way that... Yeah, the way that nature packages our food, when it becomes a problem is that sugar, um, I'm, I'm talking about more so refined sugar, so white sugar, even, um, you know, sneaky syrups and things that sneak into. I was just going to say like the high fructose corn syrup and things like that. Yeah, definitely. Um, that are, you know, are a huge problem in the US, but are definitely steadily starting to become a huge problem here as well. Um as well, refined carbohydrates. So eating a lot of white flour um, that's devoid of fiber is, is a problem. And we could consider that sugar in a sense because it does spike our blood sugar levels. Um, and unfortunately, yeah, it has that similar effect. So um, definitely refined foods are something that um, we need to look out for in our diet. Eating as whole food as possible is definitely the way to go. Which is, it's all the stuff that most of us know. Like we mm -hmm. know what is good for us. We know that an apple is good. We know mm -hmm. that. We know that we should be getting more greens into our diet. But for some reason, we want to look for a simple tablet or a simple fix mm -hmm. when really, I think one of the most important things to highlight in this conversation is, Yes, you can have those superfoods and the powders and the tablets and all of that stuff, mm -hmm. but it's so important to get the fundamentals right and understand mm -hmm. that there's no use in going and buying a multivitamin if a multivitamin, excuse me, if your diet mm -hmm. consists mainly of highly processed foods. Totally. I think um, what I'd like to see is, you know, people kind of moving away from the mindset of just, you know, being fed and just being like, you know, this is going to give me energy and then the rest I can just take care with that vitamin. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, because it's not it's not that simple, I guess. Our, our bodies are designed um, to digest things and our gut in particular has been referred to, you know, as the second brain. Um, and 
that's because a lot of our serotonin is made there. So 90% of our serotonin is made in our gut and seven, uh, 50 to 70% of our dopamine is made in our gut. Um, but, you know, b- by taking a tablet, you're not helping to nourish your gut. You're just, um, I guess, putting a Band-Aid um, over over the wound. You're not kind of actually facilitating um, those nutrients. Yeah change you're kind of just being like okay well i'm depleted in x y and z i'm just going to take this multi that's going to solve all my problems but actually if we want to nourish our nervous system and actually support our mood and um support our brain function which governs everything in our body we have to be looking after our gut and we do that by eating enough fiber by eating whole foods, um, by helping to feed, you know, those good bacteria in our gut um, that are so important as well. We can't um, discount what it means to be nourished um, and, you know, in favour of just being simply fed, if that makes sense. I love that. It absolutely does. And there are just two other things that I wanted to touch on before I let you get back to your day because mm-hmm. I know that um, you've set aside time specifically out of your day <laughs> to have this chat and I'm so grateful. No, one of the areas I really wanted to make sure we touch on when it comes to food and mood is libido and sex drive because mm-hmm. for so many people and you know, so many people that are listening have young children and sex just falls completely off the menu because you're doing so many <laughs> other things. Yeah. But there are foods, I know for myself, there are foods that when I'm consuming them more frequently, I definitely have a higher interest, a higher libido. Mm-hmm. And these are conversations I'm having with my girlfriends in real life. And I would just love to know your um your experience with the sorts of foods we can be including to improve our sex drive Mm -hmm. cool yeah I think exactly what you're saying I know that libido is taking a a deep dive particularly in COVID times um, as stress is becoming just prolific Um, and I could only imagine yeah for mums having to maintain a household um, oh my goodness with their kids and it would just with COVID as well, just sex it's would be nothing, literally the last nothing, thing. Nothing that makes you feel less like having sex and yeah. taking care of someone that can't do anything for themselves. It's like, totally. oh, given so much, I'm so touched out. Like, yeah. no, no one touch me. No one look at me. I'm disgusting. Totally. I don't want to know about it. Yeah. So many people yeah. have been there or are there right now. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Nothing sexy about trying to do homeschooling. <laughs> I no. could imagine. And then going home after that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So let's, okay. So first let me start by saying that I guess from a scientific perspective, which I always have to, um, cause I'm an evidence-based practitioner, I have to give this perspective. There isn't a whole heap of hard evidence for foods acting as aphrodisiacs Um, but having said that nutrients definitely help Um, there are specific nutrients that are absolutely essential to um, the production of our sex hormones and um, also maintaining a healthy stress response and those are two ways that we can help support you know our libido overall so totally I don't think anyone's here <laughs> for the dozen oysters, yeah. I think they'll feel like having sex. More so, so that yeah. side of things. Yeah, totally. So, I mean, the reason oysters um, are, you know, everyone's like, oysters, oysters, so good. It's because, yeah, exactly, zinc. So zinc is super important. For, <laughs> yeah, zinc is super important for um, helping to modulate our sex hormones and also um, helps with the synthesis or the creation of our sex hormones. Um, and it's also super important for modulating the stress response, which a lot of people don't um don't know too much about so obviously when we're stressed sex goes out the window um but also if we're not getting enough zinc um our sex hormones aren't going to be developed and we're not going to be feeling randy basically ever (laughs) can i use that word randy do people still use that word (laughs) i mean i don't think they do but you can use it (laughs) well i just went for it i don't know (laughs) um love, love that but um 
Yeah, zinc is a big one. So I guess, you know, oysters is, are a source of zinc, but there are definitely other foods um, like red meat and chicken are also good sources of zinc. So are some legumes like chickpeas and lentils, um, nuts and seeds, um, especially like pepitas, cashews, almonds, they all contain zinc. So um, getting enough zinc is definitely um, a good thing Thank for you your sex drive. The other thing as well um, to consider is uh, B vitamins and magnesium, spoken about them heaps, super important for um, our nervous system, but also for um, supporting the stress response and also just making sure we have enough energy. Like energy is like the first and foremost thing you need to have sex, right? So um, eating, um, you know, your dark green leafy vegetables, whole grains, legumes, um, they all contain magnesium and B vitamins that will help to support energy and um, that stress response. One that um, is also perhaps a bit surprising is also calcium. Um, calcium is really um, important for uh, the transmission or like the communicating of um of those messages within the brain um, that can make us feel excited. Um, but it's also important um, for helping to relax the muscles similar to magnesium. So um, what we're kind of going for here is trying to um, support our stress response and which in turn will help support you know, our libido. From a traditional perspective, um, as a naturopath, I'm going to go ahead and say, Maca, cough, cough, maca. <laughs> um, a lot of people may not know what maca is. Um, it's a superfood um, from Peru. Um, but maca powder um, does have, um, has been traditionally used for centuries um, to support fertility and um, helping men to feel um, vigorous and, I don't know <laughs> what another word is. You know, just I'm basically lost. feeling yeah. very. You can tell that I'm a really like, awkward, awkward person. Just <laughs> bigger. If you want to feel randy and have lots of bigger. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, it's so good. And maca powder uh, is in. Uh, is it in the lovers latte? It is dinner. in lovers latte. It is. It's in lovers latte, and I think we've also uh, we've got it in the collagen bar, the salted cacao maca bar. Um, yeah, but that's the reason it's in lovers latte is because of that traditional effect. Um, so definitely one to look out for. But while we're talking about lovers latte, I did just want to touch on dark chocolate because. I mean, yes, throw us a bone. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> what? Um, what? Like sex scene in a movie is um, complete without like the chocolate entering somewhere? Dark chocolate and strawberries. Hello. Um, dark chocolate is rich in um, in not only antioxidants, which we kind of commonly know it for, but also um, contains a compound that's quite similar to caffeine. It's not exactly the same, um, but it's called theobromine. Um, it has a similar stimulatory effect. Um, and this stimulatory effect can in turn help promote blood circulation, which is super important, um, as well as being a good source of magnesium. So for those two reasons, dark chocolate is you know, often talked about as being one of the best aphrodisiacs because it does contain that magnesium, but also that slightly stimulatory effect. Awesome. And I was also just going to add as well, just eating enough, having adequate calories goes mm -hmm. a long way when it comes to your libido, because if you're under eating, if you're undernourished, I mean, you know, for example, when people are really leaning down for some sort of bodybuilding competition or whatnot mm. one of the first things they talk about is that they lose their sex drive completely whether that's totally. because they're not getting enough fats or they're just not having enough calories overall but I know mm -hmm. in my early 20s when I had quite a quite a full-on eating disorder just not having enough calories your body cannot be interested in anything mm -hmm. other than surviving totally. and you don't have to have an eating disorder to be in that mode if you are dieting and you've reduced your calories significantly and mm. all of a sudden you notice that you have no interest in sex it may be as simple as adding in you know 
a couple of tablespoons of peanut butter or something like mm-hmm. that, just something that's more calorie dense mm-hmm. to your day. Yeah, I I literally I couldn't agree more. Um, I mean, if your body's in a mode of let's say starvation because you know when you're not eating enough, your body's starting to you know. Um, <laughs> break down muscle and all that kind of thing. So we'll use the word starvation. It's not the best word, but we'll use it. If your body's in the mode of starvation, um, the last thing that, you know, the human body's going to want to do is be like, hey, let's reproduce right now. Let's have some totally. sex. Let's, let's, you know, create new humans. And, I mean, how could, um, when you think about it that way from an evolutionary perspective, how could, you know, a body sustain supporting a a, a new a new life yeah it just absolutely couldn't if you're already deficient so that's the reason why the sex drive is one of the first things to go it's also you know like even when we get the flu or things like that you know we'll often notice the first thing to go is our sex drive because the body just doesn't want to reproduce so no yeah, so it totally, yeah, 100%. If you're not eating enough, um, sex drive is going to go out the window. The other thing as well, um, and I guess I touched on it a little bit before, is, um, you know, being overfed and undernourished. If you're not eating anything but, you know, kind of refined crappy foods, um, you're not going to be nourished. And the same thing will actually happen. You could be eating all the calories in the world, but if they're not quality calories, your body's still going to go into a mode of, hey, I'm really undernourished here. I can't support any of these metabolic functions to get through my day. There's no way we're going to want to support a new life right now. So that's also why it is so important to really be cognizant of eating for mood and overall health, not just eating, as you said, to satisfy how you're feeling in that moment, having more Mm -hmm. of kind of like a holistic zoomed out perspective of going okay I want to have enough energy to have sex I want to have enough energy to run around with my kids to perform well at work to also have enough energy to rest because I know when you're undernourished Mm -hmm. your sleep is impacted as well totally yeah um and sleep oh my goodness we could we could do a whole nother podcast just on sleep because I'm super passionate about it but if you're not sleeping no way in heck are you going to want to have sex that's another thing that just is absolutely essential um, to, yeah, sex drive. Which is but, why sex mm. can be so repulsive when you have a newborn. Yeah. <laughs> Everything is compromised. All of your pillars of wellness and health are kind of knocked out from under totally. you. And not to mention the evolutionary standpoint of not wanting yeah. to reproduce in that moment. But the totally. other thing that I wanted to ask before you run away is mm. could you share some examples of a really um, balanced meal or Mm -hmm. maybe not not even a whole day, but just, you know, like a balanced breakfast or some snack Mm -hmm. ideas for people that find it hard to come up with their own suggestions. For sure. Um, One good place um, for people to start is by looking at the Mediterranean diet. Um, That's the best diet to support um, mood, but also every other process within the body. So if you're wanting to look at something specifically, Mediterranean diet, but in terms of meals, making sure that everything, our plates are always as balanced as possible. So we're getting a good source of um, healthy fat. We're having a good source of protein and a good source of complex carbohydrates. So what that could look like, say for breakfast, for instance, it could be starting the day with, um, you know, some avocado and toast with a, a, protein smoothie so for instance um you know using like neutral organic thriving protein with um with a banana um which and some cacao maybe even some maca um adding in some flax seeds for those healthy fats um or antioxidant rich berries that's a that in and of itself is a really um solid um well-balanced brekkie um you're getting a whole lot of um, really important micronutrients in there, um, as well as a good source of carbs, fats, and um, proteins. Um, another thing for busy mums that I, you know, was always carrying on about when I <laughs> when I was in practice um, is if you're going to be planning ahead and you're, you know, wanting to 
meal prep per se. Um, if you do eat eggs um, and you're not vegan, making one big frittata at the start of the week is just so useful. Um, it can be done on, say, a Sunday night and then cut up into slices so that, you know, at, when it comes to lunchtime, you just grab a slice of that frittata with, um, you know, a bag of spinach or um, rocket and, you know, sprinkle it with some little seeds and away you go. You've got um, a good source of protein. You've got a good source of fat. Um, you've got your salads as well. So you're getting um, all those B vitamins. Um, and as well, smaller, again, micronutrients like some choline from the eggs, which is really good for supporting mood. Um, but overall, it's keeping you feeling really balanced and full, which um, we're always aiming to do. And so we're not reaching for little snack items. <laughs> it's also um, a really good way to make sure you're not wasting leftover vegetables. I love that. Yeah. More. You know, if you've got that random zucchini floating around the crisper <laughs> that you're not going to cook, great that, yeah. whack that in. If you've got sweet potatoes, great those, get them in there. Mm-hmm. I think it's a really great way of using up all of your um, vegetables in your totally. crisper as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's why it's such a good, like, on-hand meal to have. You know, I love that you said grating because I'm that lazy that I don't even do that. I just, like, get the eggs, get the the almond milk. Oh, there's a random sweet potato. Oh, that that, um, capsicum still looks okay. Puts the whole potato in. Yeah, I just like chop it like as rough as rough, rough as cats and just chuck it in. I'm just like done. Um, but yeah, no, you're right. Definitely a good way to just get rid of extra veg, but also just pack in those nutrients um, wherever you can. Dinners, um, when it comes to dinner kind of foods, um, you know, I always think it's quite important to have a source of protein with dinner. Um one meal that is a regular at our house is just making like a tofu curry. Um, we use just a um, preservative and additive-free curry paste um, and some coconut milk, tofu, and whatever veggies we've got in the fridge. Um, throw a whole heap of baby spinach in there with some brown rice. And that's just an easy meal that I know is um, delivering a whole heap of really um, good micronutrients. So even tofu in and of itself is quite high in protein but also is a good source of um you know plant-based iron as well as calcium um having uh all those spices like i was talking about a little bit before um easy done in a curry you can add as much turmeric or ginger as your heart desires um which is um, really useful, particularly at nighttime, to be having that anti-inflammatory effect because during the night is when a lot of um, those inflammatory markers can start to kind of come alive per se. So, yeah, having um, anti-inflammatory foods at night is is a good one. Um, as well, you know, you're having the brown rice, which contains, you know, B vitamins and fiber, helps to feed gut bacteria. You really can't go wrong with um, a good curry. I mean, if you're not vegan, you could use um, chicken or whatever. Um, meat you prefer um but yeah that's those I guess are amazing favorite meals (laughs) you've given a lot of inspiration there as you're speaking I was like yes like why am I so boring I'm so boring when it comes to food so you've definitely inspired me to go and grab some new herbs and spices and get them into my diet and to actually bulk cook because mm-hmm. just cooking for one really is no excuse because I do need to eat every day so I might as well totally. something and stretch it out so you've inspired yeah. me thank you so much for all of the food for thought in this conversation I found it really really interesting and I'm sure a lot of our listeners will as well where can our listeners connect with you Eliza well, they will very shortly be able to connect with me in person when I start practicing in about a month's time. Um, but for now, they can connect with me on a personal level um, through my Instagram. My handle is at concept of sunny. Sounds a bit out there, but no, it's practice. perfect. I've got to pull up in front of me now because I was um, sort of thinking, oh, I hope that she has an account that we can send people towards. And I'm already in love with your account because I can already <laughs> see that you've got a photo of Carrie posted there. <laughs> I'm such a Carrie Oh fan. my gosh. Me so your too. Handle, your handle is concept <laughs> of sunny. 
and I will put that in the show notes as well so that our listeners can jump over and have some of your sunshine in their feed. Awesome. And yeah, like I said, I'm going to be practicing very shortly. So um, except, expect to see some changes on there when that all gets going. But yeah, my absolute pleasure to be chatting to you today. It's so good um, to yeah, hopefully put some useful info out there that people can um, adapt into their daily lives and absolutely and it's feeling good (laughs) absolutely it's worth mentioning as well for those who have listened you can use my code kylie 15 all in capitals over at neutral organics should you wish to jump over and check out the thriving powder or the turmeric latte or what else do we speak about the collagen build collagen body jump over and lover's latte yep get that maca into you girl (laughs) (laughs) so that code is kylie 15 um for those of you who want to take advantage of that eliza it's been 